This week on the Throncast, Leia and Han escape capture again on Bafash. Luke revisits the dark side cave and has a vision of a possible past. And the Empire corners our heroes on Nicklon. Call Rogue Squadron for backup. It's time for the Throncast. Governor Price, these rebels have proven particularly stubborn. How do you intend to solve this problem? I need someone who sees a bigger picture. The Empire is getting better at anticipating our moves. I underestimated the commander. The previous attacks were clumsy. But this one was swift. Precise. To defeat an enemy, you must know them. Not simply their battle tactics, but their history, philosophy, art. Grand Admiral Thrawn. Hello, and welcome to the Thrawn cast. I'm your host, Nancy, and today we're avoiding a live dumpster fire by discussing chapters 9 through 12 of Heir to the Empire. Joining me on this legendary journey are my co-hosts, Brian. Yo. Matthew. Hello. Amanda. Hail to the Chief of State. And Tyler. I'm with Leia. <laughs> and right off the bat, happy birthday, Tyler. Happy birthday. Oh, Yay. thank you. Thank it you. Tyler's I'm now, birthday. I'm now filled with 20 years of regret and pain. You are young <laughs> and shut up. <laughs> no, really, you're 20. You were not yeah. born when this book came out. No, I wasn't. Oh. oh my god, I want to die. <laughs> I'm, I'm old. I'm See, that, old. That's, my, that's my other job on Twitter, aside from ranting about how the comics industry should just burn, um, is making other people feel really, really old. Because I don't remember like half the thing. I don't remember like, any of the 90s. We well, gotta stop bringing people into this organization. <laughs> yeah. We gotta stop bringing people into this organization to do this to yeah. us. Ha- well, happy <laughs> birthday, Tyler. You've made us all feel like the Crypt Keeper. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> so we have a announcement to begin the show. We chose our winners for the Thrawn trilogy giveaway. Um, yes, we. So we have two sets to give away, and I wanted to give one away to people who were newer to Legends, and one to someone who's followed the books before. So for the Thrawn trilogy noobs. Uh, our winner is Xander S and he said that he, um, he's read about 10 legends books, but he hasn't read the Thrawn trilogy before. So this is his first time reading the trilogy. Um, he's really interested to see the origin of Thrawn now that he's in rebels and that they're so many years of legends material, like 50,000 years, um, across multiple forms of media that he's looking forward to learning more about it and he's really interested in learning more about Mara uh, because he really only knows her as Luke's wife so this is the best series in which to learn more about Mara Jade so good job we are we hope you uh, enjoy the books and um, they're very pretty so they will look good on your bookshelf and for the longtime Legends fans, Ian Miller is our winner for that set. Uh, he would like to see Mara brought into the canon, but probably not going to happen because of her connection with Luke. So he chose Shada Ducal, who uh, oh. she's not in the series, but you, if you continue on reading the Zon books, she shows up in the Thrawn duology, the uh, Hand of Thrawn duology. And um, she kind her backstory is that she's one of the Tonica sisters from the Cantina. She was undercover, um, so he'd like to see her maybe in Rebels or somewhere during that time period. So thanks everyone for your entries and um. If you could uh, email your address to me at media at tashi-station.net, we'll get those books out to you as soon as we can. Yep. And we are um, 
and we thank everyone who entered. And uh, if you can, you can go to the post to read all the entries. They were really cool. And I have to say, I agree with most of them about who they'd like to see brought back into canon. <laughs> there seemed to be an under, a, a kind of a recurring theme. Yeah. In the comments there. Mara. Mara. Lots of card. I, I well, agree. Well, I know who, you were, who they were pitching to. <laughs> Yeah, hey, that's true. I, your audience. Hey, pandering is a smart move in this yes, contest. But I did use a random number generator, so <laughs> I was fair <laughs> and balanced, actually. Uh, <laughs> um, back to the thing we're not doing right now. Nope, we're not talking about that. Let's uh, move on. We're, we're <laughs> going to talk about another megalomaniac trying to take over the galaxy. Grand oh, Admiral, oh, Grand Admiral oh, Thrawn. Oh, oh. <laughs> I, I'm I'm sorry, um, Nancy. I'm very sorry, but um, Thrawn is far better than Trump ever will be. So um, don't go dis- disrespecting <laughs> his name. C- come on. Just say, as unnatural skin tones go, I'm gonna vote blue. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Come on, come on. Thrawn is oh, going Thrawn. to make the empire great again. <laughs> he is. That's what this whole series is about. Subtitle: Make the empire <laughs> great <is>. again. <laughs> They're just gonna build a wall around Coruscant. <laughs> Oh, okay. So, seriously, though, Thrawn made his debut appearance on Rebels this past weekend, and we, are, we aren't we are going to review the episode. We did that already on Tashi Station, but um, for those of us who did get to see the episode, I just thought we'd go through and give our initial impressions. I was really happy with how they portrayed Thrawn. Um, I, I really like uh, the voice actor they got, I think I just like how cultured he seems and how he has the bigger picture in mind. I'm really looking forward to see how he focuses on the rebellion as a whole, not just the rebel cells. And they mentioned um, a previous attack where a lot of civilians died. And I'm wondering if that's something we're going to see in the Thrawn book. And I kind of hope it is because that that just seems like a a total name drop thing that they're gonna pick up like how outbound flight was happened here and then it became a book so i hope so as well because that was actually the one thing that i didn't care for in in his portrayal in the show like i i agree with you mostly like i thought like the voice actor was was spot on i thought his bearing and his demeanor and and everything was just like it's like he'd stepped out of the page Mm -hmm. but like having like referring to a bunch of civilian casualties that just that seems messy yeah and like Thrawn isn't messy Thrawn is precise and so like I I would like for there to be like a a legitimate reason for that to have happened I mean maybe he bungled something and the emperor like you know rewarded him anyway but like you know it'd be it, it would be interesting to see his point of view on that especially as written by by Timothy Zahn yeah but yeah otherwise I I thought it was great I mean like I said it was like he you know, walked right out of the book. It was perfect. Mm-hmm. Brian, I mean, same. The <laughs> what we got there, yeah. That's this is the proof that Dave, Henry Gilroy, Kerry uh, Hart, and the whole team there are just big Thrawn fans because this. Was, no, they hate legends. No, that's right, they hate <laughs> legends. but no, seriously, they. You're right, Matthew. It's like stepped off of the page right onto the screen. It was pitch perfect. Mm-hmm. Tyler, did you get to watch Rebels? Yeah, I did. Um, I I really, I liked, I I liked how they didn't, you know, show off Thrawn. He was just kind of, oh, he's here now. Watch him be amazingly awesome. And and really kind of, I really liked the voice actor, whoever they got, because, like, he had that same level of, like, cold, Mm -hmm. cold ruthlessness that, um, I feel like uh, 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 Lucius Malfoy had in the first, uh, in the second Harry Potter movie. Yes. yes. Oh, and so I didn't already want to watch this. <laughs> <laughs> and, and funnily um, enough, since, you know, Lucius Malfoy was also exactly. the Great Inquisitor. Inquisitor. Uh, Lars Mikkelsen, by the way, the yes. voice actor, brother of Mads. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Okay. <laughs> that makes, oh, boy. Now I have to tell my friend that to watch Rebels. Um <laughs> Uh, but yeah, um, I liked it a lot. I liked what else we saw. If, of of just it was it was a good episode, and I really liked how they they gave Thrawn a good entrance, but not 
a super grandiose one. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I am interested to see now where that uh, scene of him in in the gallery is. At, yeah. Like, what part? Of what part of the season that is? Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to that. Seeing him actually analyze the stuff. Oh, no. Yeah. Also, Price. We got to see Price. Oh, she was so great. Yeah, finally. <laughs> she was. Jeez. She was really great. I wanted I'm to add, to see like, her. Thrawn, like, is a very unique flavor of Imperial because you generally get like the 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 you know the arrogant ones like like Thrawn and Price, or you have the bumbling ones like Constantine or, or the the yeah. um the other guy, uh, um, Titus, blonde guy in the. Yeah, Titus. <laughs> but Thrawn is like his own thing. I mean, he's he's arrogant, but like it's it's a more quiet arrogance. It yeah. doesn't have the same bluster as, as Tarkin or uh, he can back it up. Yeah, or uh, or Price. Yeah, and it, like even like apart from from you know his obvious physical differences and his costume differences, like that really sets him apart from everybody else. Right. And it'll be interesting to see that contrast going forward. Particularly, I I, I want to see him and Callus like have yes. lots and lots of scenes together because yes. Callus was the one that mentioned the, the casualties. Mm-hmm. Like, that, that was I an did. interesting choice. I also, this is kind of not really maybe a spoiler, but um, I liked how Tarkin was really just kind of like, Oh, what are you going to do? Um, when Thrawn came in, like when he actually like physically showed up. Right. At least that's what I got was like Thrawn's was like um, Tarkin's like, OK, he's here now. What What is he what is he going to do? Yeah. Yeah. I I liked that um, Constantine also is like Grand Admiral Thrawn. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, when you did this poor, happen? <laughs> poor guy. <laughs> so, yeah, um, it was a really good introduction. I'm looking forward to seeing more of him throughout the season. And I, I'm so happy that he's a re- the recurring villain and not just like a one-off cameo type. Yeah, totally. So, yes, um, Thrawn is canon now. The world will never be the same. But for now, we will return to Legends and Chapter 9 of Heir to the Empire, in which we attack... The most hard to spell planet I've ever. No, I can't say it's ever seen in Star Wars because I know there's worse, but still, it's it's ridiculous. Like, not the unpronounceable one. No, Bafash. Like, is the BP silent? I'm saying it, Bafash. Bafash. That sounds right to me. Okay, (laughs) he is basically silent. Yeah. So. The Chimera and the rest of Thrawn's fleet attack the planet Bafash and several of the other nearby systems in a hit-and-fade maneuver. And we learn through Peleon's reflections that it, the hit-and-fade is a relatively new maneuver done in the Imperial fleet. It was usually just done with smaller ships, not Star Destroyers, but since Thrawn's come into power, it's become standard and they've become really good at it. Um, they're also using this attack as a way to test uh, Sabios' battle medita- meditation and to see how good he is. He's basically monitoring the attack as it happens. And there's a really neat moment when Pelion looks at the efficiency of the attack and can't deny that they're they're running more efficient than they were before. Sabios. Yeah, like Sent more efficiently than they were before. Like it's it's not a statistical anomaly. Like it has to be something behind it. Yeah, and so he is very unnerved about this. But as a you know as a man of the military, he can't deny that it has an effect. Um, we get some really interesting moments with uh, Thrawn and Sabiath, who it, it's such a terrible alliance. Really, <laughs> you're just. <laughs> Like, you're just waiting for one of them to kill the other because they do not like each other. Um, Sabiot, you know, they ask, Thrawn asks him, are they, you know, is the fleet ready, you know, to attack? And he says, they await merely my command. And Peleon is like wincing and like, ooh, what is Thrawn going to do about that? (laughs) Because, but he lets it pass because he knows what the, you know, true, true stakes are here. And 
Trump's playing the long game. He is. Like, he's playing the long game. And as but much just, as I do see him as like a two behind the ear kind of a guy, <laughs> like he needs this fellow right now. And so yep. he's going to put up with stuff, which does make Paleon wins. He's like, ooh, yeah, ugly, bad, not good. Mm, let's know. It's like. Well, I think, I think too, like we, we've sort of established by now that Thrawn like has a lot of patience because I mean, he like does. Paleon keeps questioning him you know in this chapter he mentions that they had a what he described as a barely civilized argument (laughs) about tactics but like thrawn hasn't like demoted paleon or executed him or anything he's like he's willing to to entertain like conversation and debate so like he you know gavoth is obviously something else but like he he obviously like has enough patience in him to to sort of let this lunatic like think he's in, in charge at least for now. Yeah, and that goes in well with this um statement that Thrawn says Sabiath is like you question my abilities and he says I question all that is not yet familiar to me. And that's such a good Thrawn line because it shows that you know, he he isn't super arrogant where he thinks he knows everything. He wants yeah. to study everything and you know, figure out how it works so he can use it his advantage. And so Peleon questioning him all the time is probably something he respects and, mm-hmm. you know, encourages because, you know, he want, you know, he doesn't see anything wrong with that. Except, you know, then then there becomes a time when he's like, you know, you don't need to understand, just obey. So it's very, well, it's and, a fine yeah, line I mean, with him. To a point where it's like, all right, you know, we've had, you know, I've, humored you and you haven't come up with any good arguments so let's you know move on with our lives right <laughs> i think also it takes savvy down a tiny notch because it's like oh you're not special yeah <laughs> yes so um we've got that scene uh the attack scene and then we switch to um the wild card which is nearby watching the attack after the Imperials leave, Carr decides to postpone their delivery because he doesn't want to be around if and when the New Republic ships arrive, which is, you know, very smart, Super. if ruthless, but smart. <laughs> um, and Mara is not happy about this. She questions him and says, you know, they promised to make the d- delivery. She obviously does not um, like the idea of not living up to promises and this is the first time we get a scene from her point of view, and it just lays more of these secrets and, you know, wondering what the heck is up with her and why is she so angry at Luke Skywalker and why does she want to get to him? Not yet, but soon, very, very soon. <laughs> why does she know so much about Thrawn? Yeah, she does know a lot about Thrawn, which card questions because... He, you know, wants to know everything as, as and, and it's a really great moment later on after things are revealed to go back and look at Mara's response there because Thrawn talking about, I question everything and Mara talking about, I know a little bit about everything. Yes. It's like an interesting juxtaposition of these two characters who will much later in legends, um, sort of butt heads a little. Right. I love that line of hers. I know something about a lot of things. (laughs) Yeah. It's it's a really good Mara line. It's it's very Mara. Like she probably has that tattooed on her person somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) Hardcore. (laughs) So um we get that little scene and then we jump to Leia training with Luke, which is so sweet, and Skywalker twins. I just want to make hearts at them and chin hands um but she's not very good at with the remote um which she's I, kind of terrible at it she is which and i say luke well, is kind of a terrible teacher too right? he is. <laughs> well i mean because looking at it now from so many years gone by and what we know of leia in the new canon it just seems like obviously this is not her forte you know, why are you not focusing more on the mental side of the force and not the physical aspects, which she's not very good at? 
Well, I don't think it's a coincidence that he's using the the seeker drone because I mean he's just running through the steps that Obi Wan ran him through. Yeah, like exactly. he doesn't know how to be a teacher. Like that much he's is obvious from the scene. And yeah, so, yeah Luke had just, one day of training. Basically, <laughs> he's just doing he's just doing what uh, what Obi Wan did to him. And Next hoping thing you know, she's gonna be right. shooting him around the palace piggyback. Like <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's his lesson plan. Oh, I know. I feel bad for him. He's just like, I've just been going around the galaxy for five years trying to find stuff out about the Jedi and figure out what the heck I'm doing. And now I have to train my sister and soon her twins. And dear God, I'm not ready for this. Someone give me a hug. And I volunteer (laughs) as tribute. He really does need a hug at this juncture. I know. If only there was someone around who could give him one. Um, maybe someone with red hair. But I think she wants to give him a throat hug right now. <laughs> right? That hug is not what she wants to give him right now, Nancy. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, so... Um, it's more like what she wants to give him right yeah. now. So Han comes in, interrupts their training, and tells them about the, the attack on Bafash. Um, and that, of course, Mon Mothma is sending them out with a strike force uh, that includes Rogue Squadron, yay, yay! Um, hey. to go, uh, cl- you know, do cleanup action. And Luke is like, well, I'm going to come too. And then they're like, eh, like nope. <laughs> no, you can't because they don't like Jedi. Um, You're the opposite of the Bims. <laughs> and this is where um, a lot of the uh, Clone Wars backstory gets very um muddled yeah because uh yeah that that all that stuff didn't happen with the the wrote the bafashi jedi and the yeah but i mean it's not like so major a <laughs> thing not. that it, like couldn't have happened off to the side and we just didn't didn't see it on the other hand as big as assholes as the jedi were <laughs> you know in in canon it could be that they didn't actually go dark, that they were just Jedi. Yep. And the, the, the <laughs> they were Mace were Window. Like, Man, get the hell out of here. <laughs> New headcanon, Mace Window is actually from Bafash. Headcanon <laughs> <laughs> accepted. I, yep, yep, sold, sold, <laughs> sold. Um, but I do like the idea that some dark Jedi went all the way to Dagobah, and Luke has a suspicion that that's where the dark side cave got you know, dark side from. So, um, <laughs> but okay. Can we talk about the, the Hans line, some place called the fash and two unpronounceable ones in which I wanted to throw my Kindle and go, come on, Timothy's on. You are just trolling us now. That really did feel intentional. It was so <laughs> intentional. <laughs> I mean, I guess if you live in the Star Wars galaxy, you, you learn to pronounce, normally unpronounceable names and if like if 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 they're pronounceable to him just imagine how (laughs) weird they must be right but that's yeah i mean it's probably all clicks and whistles and guttural stops yeah clicks but it was a great joke and it was also a great way to avoid having to come up with two more planet names right this is true (laughs) this is true i approve of this as an author Right? I think I have done this. Haven't we all done this? Yes. Yes. Very much so. Um, well, that may be because I'm insane. I have to name every goddamn thing that <laughs> wanders under the page, but that's me and probably not very healthy. Oh, no. I, I have places that are only referred to by a location on a star chart, and I don't ever say where that is. <laughs> Yeah, but um, yeah, I, I Tyler makes a good point that this is a this is a galaxy in which apostrophes are usually, you know, present in names <laughs> and places. So, yeah, Bafash just kind of makes sense. And of course, the, the other planet we visit today is, you know, the same sort of. What the hell? Were we? Were you just like key smashing? <laughs> Yeah, uh, we already established. He was wa- his eyes were wandering around the room. They lit upon his camera, and he <laughs> took out the eye. So, so uh, soon we're gonna like come into a, a place called Canon. Canon. See apostrophe N O N Canon. Yeah. Or maybe that's how Kanan got his name. <laughs> no, it's just a planet in canon. Yeah. Or no, no, it's 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 Kanjar. <laughs> Oh, anybody, you're still talking. Yep. Um. So yeah, we um 
So we next chapter, chapter 10, Luke, Leia, Han, and Wedge are on Bafash. And Brian, would you like to react? Wedge! <laughs> Wedge is adorable he in is. this chapter. He is super cute. He, he bumps into Leia in the heat of battle and, like, says he's sorry about it. Like, it's precious. I know. He's so cute. Are we having... He has the best manners. Are we having technical yeah, difficulties? M- Matthew's having trouble hearing us right now. Uh-oh. I'm back. Oh, yeah. Hey! Hey! The Empire can't stop us. <laughs> I'm surprised it took us four episodes for Skype to <laughs> <laughs> us. Right. So, uh, chapter 10, we're uh, on Bafash, um, and they get attacked by the Nogri again, Shock, shockingly enough, um, and they attempt to use a fake Millennium Falcon in order to lure them on board, which is really freaking smart. Good job, Nogri. I kind of love Han's yeah, amazement that... here. Yeah. He's like, oh my god, they actually managed to dig up another one of these piece of crap <laughs> freighters that nobody makes anymore. Yeah, you know, that's his dedication. So the idea that there's a third. Right. Like, yes. What was that? He has two of them, and mm-hmm. so this he makes a third. He has two of them. Um, what? If, if you read the Rogue Squadron books, yes. you will learn about the Millennium Falsehood. Um, <laughs> yes. So he has two, and so here's the third one. Like, what are the odds? Yep. <laughs> now, the Millennium Falsehood sounds like a terrible plot device. It actually worked really well in that book, but that it we'll leave that happening. for Rogue Padron. Yes, Rogue Padron, you get, yeah, that's a little tidbit for you to look forward it to. It sounds... It sounds like something that's up there with the Sun Crusher or the Dark <laughs> No, it is, which, it is not. It's, by it's, which I mean incredibly stupid. <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's really smart. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so they try to trap them. They almost run on the ship, and then Leia is like, wait, something's not right here. And Wedge is like, yeah, we're getting shot at. <laughs> 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 which, I mean, is funny, but it's also like, Wedge... You know, respect your princess here. <laughs> she knows what That's she's obvious. talking. Yes, we know that part. <laughs> yeah. So they um they are like, what's going on? And then they realize the Chewie's not using the belly cannon um because it's it's not the real Falcon. Um. So they they lay a they figure out how to disable the ship. Well, they realize it because Leia senses that Chewie's yes. not on board. Yeah. Which I think is a is a really nice moment and it, and showcases that her her talents lay in another direction than swatting at remotes. Exactly. Yes. And and I will come back to that for a comment <laughs> much later on. Yeah, I, I think I know where you're going. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. So um as they um they disable the ship, um also summoning help when they do it which is a really you know smooth han move (laughs) um and then han convinces leia to go into hiding somewhere because it's you know these aliens are going to keep trying to attack her and kidnap her she of course does not want to go into hiding because she's got work to do damn it um she does not hide yes so she she's like padme she does not like this idea of hiding (laughs) um so he, they figure out a way that she can hide out somewhere, use the diplomatic receiver the Falcon has, and still keep in touch with the New Republic. Um, but they need a slicer. So who are they? Where are they going to find a reputable, trustworthy slicer who's not also working for the Empire? Oh, it's just an excuse to go see their good old pal Lando. Yay. Plot device. <laughs> now, before we depart the fash, um, I do want to mention something I think is really rad. Um, and that is that the hardware that they're working on here, this YT that uh, Han disables thusly, is the same hardware that we saw in the original trilogy. And it is the same YT-1300 that we see in The Force Awakens. The whole, I can break this one line and flood the place with poisonous gas. Yes. Oh, yes. Yes. The I... hardware, that thread has passed through now into the new canon that that's a thing. And core face gas filling up the hull and killing everything inside. Mm-hmm. Oh. That almost happened. Ray oh. had to use a lot of bonding tape that Finn didn't know what it was in order to keep <laughs> that from happening. So I was really excited by this like portrayal of the hardware that I was like, oh man, this made it into new canon. Sweet. 
Uh, yeah, she didn't I actually name check the gas itself, did she? No, but it's the, oh, okay. this, the, the idea of the poison, you know, the poison. No, 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 I, I yeah. get you. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, really the flood, the cabin with poisonous like, gas! I, I love that little thread that's just permeating through all of this. Yeah. That's awesome. Yep. Yay! Yeah, I know. I, I I made a note of that as well, and I was like, "That's so cool, poisonous gas." <laughs> We're all really excited. By yeah. So I want to lodge a complaint about why Han is the one to disable the ship um, with using the lightsaber instead of Leia. Um, knows what line to cut. The one on the surface is that nobody knows better how to break a YT-1300. <laughs> nobody nope. breaks the f- breaks a freighter like Han. This is true. Right? He would know exactly where to slice to make that happen. Um, the other thing is I need another data point that's coming up in a later chapter, and then I will expound on it further. <laughs> well, plus Han just loves slicing open the bellies of things with lightsabers. <laughs> this is true. So. Um, one last note for the chapter. Wedge's line, I've got a couple of people I trust all the way to the end of the galaxy. I just smiled really hard and I'm like, I think I know all of them that you're referring to. And their names are Tycho and Wes and Hobby. Yes, yes, they are. Yeah. And we love them. Possibly Corin. Possibly Corin as well, but I, I yeah. definitely Wes, Tycho, and Hobby, which makes me happy because yeah. he 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 sowed the seeds. For the Rogue Squadron books, and then, you know, people, I don't, you know, every time I go back and read these, I'm like, oh, yeah, like, to- it was totally there, and they just had to take it and run with it, so. I like that. Yes, that is a, that is a wonderful bromance between those group of guys. And- <laughs> Tyler, those are other books you need to read. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really, you can, you shouldn't skip all of the X-Wing books. But if you did and you just read Starfighters of Adamar, I wouldn't blame you. Cause. Well, I'm reading, I'm, I'm listening to Rogue Padron. So awesome. Okay. I'm, I'm getting, I'm getting, I'm getting the stuff that way. Yes. <laughs> Very good. Go. Okay. So uh, unfortunately, Tyler had to jump out of the show, um, but we will continue on with chapter 11, which is Luke arriving on Dagobah. Uh, this is his first time back on Dagobah since Return of the Jedi. Um, R2, as they're landing, picks up some sort of electronic signature, which is conveniently coming right from the dark side cave. Um, Luke, you know, after he explores Yoda's house, he goes to the cave. He psychs himself up, says, you know, I've, 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 you know, Face this challenge and one, you know, there's nothing to be afraid of, which is just, you know, again, makes me want to make hearts. <laughs> um, it's a hug he, really badly. This sort of whole chunk of the book. This, this series can be subtitled Pelion has concerns, make the empire great again. And Luke needs a hug. <laughs> I mean, when he's going through the like sad, decrepit ruins Ugh. of Yoda's and having memories and and his like hair like you know tickling him ah yeah. oh, come on oh luke buddy <laughs> really you just want to just want to snuggle him a little bit yeah well don't you always <laughs> fancy does yes so um while he's in the cave he has a vision of the sail barge assault but during that vision, he does not grab the lightsaber out of midair. Instead, a red-haired woman standing on the sail barge uses the force to call the lightsaber to her, and then they she laughs menacingly at him. Now, hang on. I'm pretty sure it did not specify the color of her hair. Um, I It, it actually... I don't think it did either, but I think we all know that she had. Well, of course, hair. we all know because we've read this before. But uh, <sighs> that yeah, might... seemed to rest in the hand of a slender woman standing at slender. <laughs> She's slender though. Uh, in the mist with the sun behind her, he could see no details of the, her face. Blah blah blah. Yeah. Well, no, he doesn't give away the game that soon. <laughs> well, sorry, people reading along with us. <laughs> he was he was visioning Mara there. <laughs> Well, I'm you know sorry what? for spoiling Female you. villain, she should have red hair. Like yeah. That should be a rule always anyway. But I won't tell you what she was doing there. Ha, you'll have to keep listening after all. 
in Luke's vision. Oops. I do love Luke's farm boy naivete, whatever his thing. <laughs> um, Innocence. <laughs> his naivete. I've never, I've never been able that, to pronounce that, that either. Um, in that, like he, you know, he expects Yoda's house to still be there, and then he shows up and he's like, "Oh right, this is a swamp, not a yeah. desert." <laughs> yes. <laughs> I know. I love when that stuff happens. Um, so he um, he has this vision. He's all like, you know, you know, cons- you know, frazzled. But he continues on. Gets, um, you know, the electronic device, which is this some some sort of cylinder. And he's like, this this is what it is. Uh, okay. And he's kind of like, well, that's lame. Um, I came all the way in here for a tin can. <laughs> right. But <laughs> conveniently, he knows someone who might be able to figure out what it is. So he decides also to go visit his pal Lando and his new mining operation on the planet Niklon. How yeah, how the, funny. The, excuse, the excuses on <laughs> comes up with for all all the characters to go visit Lando are pretty thin on the ground. Like, I mean, like, <laughs> Leia and Han was bad enough. This is just, like, oh, grasping. Come on, let's just be honest here. Everyone just wants party time at Lando's. Like, R2 just happened to see Lando with one of these things, and Luke thinks that's reason enough to go visit Lando. I mean, all right, whatever. <laughs> I mean, I can't really complain because it's an excuse to go see Lando. But, yes, oh, sure. this, this is very yeah, much... This it's very much move the plot forward and very much um, this is the first post Return of the Jedi Star Wars book. We have to have our heroes all reunite with Lando. <laughs> but I mean, yeah, they they could have just been honest and been like, and we're low on hot chocolate, so yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> and it's you know they um, I'm reading this and I'm thinking like. Yeah, this is definitely what some people were hoping to see for The Force Awakens, and it works really good in a book. I don't think it would have worked well in a movie. It would have just been, you know, greatest hits of, you know. That would have been okay, as I mean, long as everyone survived. I mean, Force Awakens kind of yeah. was greatest hits, but I mean, at least in a <laughs> book, you you have the opportunity to, like, you know, drop in the references, but also like still have pages and pages and pages of like, you know, original content. Yes. Okay. So, um, I, like I said before, I love how Luke is like psyching himself up as he goes in the cave and it's just like, he's like, no, I've done this before. You don't have anything to worry about. You're great. It's all right, Luke. You're a Jedi. (laughs) (laughs) Gosh, darn it. People like you. Yes. Were you channeling Dirk Diggler there? <laughs> I don't know who that is. <laughs> is it Boogie Nights guy? Yeah. Okay. I've never <laughs> seen it. It a lot like the speech he gives in the mirror to psych himself oh, up. Oh, um, I was not. But, you know, maybe Luke has a, a side <laughs> a side <laughs> job as a porn write star. That fanfic, write that fanfic. <laughs> I might have already. I don't know. <laughs> I've written written so many. I've lost track. So um, we go to the Nikolon system or or the Athiga system. Sorry, I'm still I'm still calling the Nikolon system the Nikon system. (laughs) No, no one's not a system. He's a man. (laughs) (laughs) It's Nikolon. It's not a system. It's a camera. (laughs) Um, So that should be the um, episode title, Brian. It's not a system. It's it's not a system. It's a camera. Yes. Okay. Okay. We'll use that. So the Falcon arrives in the system and um, they have to hitch a ride with a shield chip because the sun is so hot and Nikolon is so close to the sun that it'll basically fry all your insurance and melt your hull. And it's a really cool idea and really super sci-fi. Yeah, this is some of the more fun sci-fi elements creeping into... into into Star Wars, which I always enjoy. Yeah, it's definitely one of those things that it's exciting to be able to do in a book because it would be really, really expensive to do it in a movie. Yeah, although it, when they when they when they described what the ship looked like, it um, sort of reminded me of what uh, Dooku's ship looks like, the Solar Sailor, um, kind of like that with like the big sail protecting the ships. 
Yeah, but that looks terrible. <laughs> I like that chip. <laughs> I mean, I like the idea of it, but the CG wasn't, wasn't good. <laughs> oh, so um, they are going to hitch with the shield ship. Um, usually what they do is slave the systems together and um, do a, like a quick jump into the system or like a micro jump is what they call it. But the Falcon, of course, doesn't slave their systems to anybody. Um, so they are going to take the very long 10-hour trip into the planet, which you think, wow, that's a really long time, um, considering like what we see of Star in Star Wars movie travel. But then you think of how long it would actually take to get across a solar system like with re- in real world, and you're like, eh, 10 hours, not that bad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they are waiting to go in, and then uh, they're like, hey, uh, what's the holdup? And the pilot's like, oh, no worries. We're just, you know, waiting. We got someone else going in and doesn't have a slave circuit, so we're going to wait. go together. Efficiency. And uh, Han and Leia are suspicious, and they're like, what if this is the Empire? What's, what, is, what is it? Oh, my God. What, quick, what is happening? They're uh, a little jittery. They are a little <laughs> jittery, like, 3PO. <laughs> There's 3POing all over the place. Yes. Or, or over if I appreciate that. Or wickets. Wait, 3POing. We might want to make that the episode 3PO-ing. title. 3POing all over the place. <laughs> Maybe. So um they um after trying to figure out who it is, they realize it's Luke! Yay! What a coincidence! They're gonna go in the planet together. Um, and so they arrive after 10 hours. Um, it's really boring, but they get to Nicklon. They have some really funny haha banter with Lando and callbacks to the original trilogy because those don't ever get old. And, um, but they haven't gotten yet. <laughs> but while they're there, oh my god, an Imperial Star Destroyer is arriving on the pl- coming into the planetary shadow. Oh my god, it's a cliffhanger. However, are we going to wait until next week to find out what happens? Thanks for uh, lining the cliffhanger up really well with our episodes, Tim. It was! was we didn't get the last one with Vimisari, but we got we got this one. There's a few There's a few more I can think of that it will be really good, but I, I, I didn't do the schedule for the cliffhangers. That was just a coincidence. <laughs> but yes. Okay. So there as... There was something in the show notes... Yes. ...that I want to talk about now. Okay. I've gotten my second data point. Yes. Um, um, although we, we didn't bring it up here, it's in the show notes mm-hmm. about Han asks Leia, "Is that really Luke out there?" Yes. We yes we and we need to discuss this. She's like, "I'm pretty sure." Um, what the hell? You're pretty sure? Of course, you're damn sure. It's your twin brother. It's you know but, it's him. But see, here's the thing: she is sure, but she's not sure of herself. We uh-huh. don't spend enough time in Leia's head in this book, but I spend a large portion of every day in Leia's head. <laughs> Um, I'll give you some insight here. Um, Her unconscious use of the force has allowed her throughout her life to pretty much do anything she's put her hand to reasonably well with relative ease. Her conscious use of the force, ironically, has been one of the few things in her life that has ever really challenged her. And she's kind of bad at the stuff she is attempting to learn. So... Yeah, at this moment, she's sure. She's as sure as she was that Chewie wasn't aboard the Falcon. But she's not sure of herself enough to risk all of their lives on what she's feeling yet. And this is a long character arc with her in her Jedi journey over the course of Legends, is her finally getting to where she trusts her relationship to the Force enough to everyone's lives on it okay i think you have me convinced especially as i'm thinking of the end of the trilogy and how it ends and that that makes a good point if you know how it ends you know what i'm talking about and that it's a good arc for leia but yeah, i mean i'll buy that like it's it's a little subtle for me to 100 percent believe mm-hmm. that that's what zon intended yeah um but i'll buy it yeah, and like, what, literally, you have to spend as much energy as I do on it. <laughs> <laughs> is this? And I, I mean, it makes sense. You don't have to like twist yourself yeah. into knots, like buying that. Like, it makes total sense. It's even like you know, given 
even like not knowing where Leia's art goes in the rest of Legends, like just like what we've been presented with so far in this one book, like it, it totally like lines up with that. Right. And then she has a brilliant idea of how to trust but verify, right? So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, so I, I I can't remember right now, right now, but the scene is from Han's point of view, right? Right. Yeah. He okay. Has line about like not wanting a wife who's smarter than he yeah. is. Yeah. Okay. So he does. Yeah. Okay. Or that he doesn't mind, but like other people. Would. I kind <laughs> of wish. I kind of wish the scene had been from Leia's point of view, just so we could get her uncertainty and like it, it feels like Luke and I know what Luke feels like and you know it's it's so innate to her but s- things have made her so nervous that she's questioning herself I wish I wish we had gotten that but mm. and she's probably also also you know when she comes in at the end of 10 hours she's yawning so either she needs to take a nap yeah. or you know and and when you're pregnant you need to take a nap all the time anyway mm-hmm. Um, and you know, she's hormonal and probably still nauseated. Like she's, she's not at the top of the game. (laughs) I will, I will say like they, I I mentioned this in one of the early episodes about how it's very inconsistent with portraying Leia's pregnancy. Um, because I mean, just, just going by, you know, regular hormones that you have, they kind of make you insane sometimes. <laughs> and while Leia, I'm sure, you know, knows how to deal with this because she's a professional woman and all women know how to deal with, you know, hormonal issues um, and still function. There's going to be times when she's really freaking tired <laughs> and she just wants to tear her husband's head off because her body is trying to grow a baby well she wants to take han's head off sometimes just because he's han <laughs> it's true <laughs> look it's the star wars universe she feels a little run down she takes a back to shot she's back <laughs> in the game oh is that all it well takes? i mean you look at <laughs> her mother who is pregnant with twins and looks like she had just a basketball stuck under her stomach because she did. Yeah. <laughs> she, some women get that because if you're completely nauseated your entire pregnancy um, and you can only barely eat enough food to not die, then, right. yeah, you you don't gain any other weight. This happened to me, strangely enough. Really? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just know how I feel when I'm, like, you know, taking hormones to try to get pregnant. And I'm just like, dear God, I don't know being pregnant is going to be terrible (laughs) i don't know why women do this to themselves (laughs) uh but i'm hoping that you know in the last point the whole time but in the star wars galaxy i'm I'm hoping they have some more advanced medics although if you've seen the comic adaptation for the last command (laughs) and you see what the doctor looks like uh, yeah no (laughs) Um, yeah, so, um, I, like I said, the callbacks for the original trilogy, there's a lot of them in this book. I don't remember if they continue through the rest of the trilogy. I don't recall them doing so. Um, but I mean, I mean I, the little like lines and references do, they're not as like hot and heavy as they are here. Yeah. I, and certainly not as bad as they are in like Jedi Academy trilogy. Right. So it does it does kind of like it like oh yeah we we get it we we know what you're talking about and you've seen the movie we we believe you right but again <laughs> it's it's I, I ki- this one is cute but it does it does start to get old yeah, yeah. i kind of this one i think is cute yeah and cuz leia is like basically you know leia lampshades it and it's like oh this reminds me of something and han's like shut up <laughs> um <laughs> but- you know, they had a few like really nice hours when they first landed on Bethany, right? Like, yeah. I invited them to dinner. Things were lovely. It was great. <laughs> Guess who's coming to dinner? Daddy. <laughs> oh, bad, bad, bad. <laughs> Not enough wine in Cloud City. <laughs> and. I do. I love the uh, the first draft of Empire, by the way, where like we see the dinner scene and Han just gets quietly drunk. <laughs> and so does Leia, and then she like lays into Vader for torturing her. I know. Yeah. I um I love do love the scene where um 
Leia brings out 3PO to confirm that it's Luke so he can talk with R2. It's, you know, while I'm kind of like, oh, you know it's Luke out there, I think it shows how quick she thinks on her feet. And Han's line about, you know, what have, like, liking having a wife who's smarter than him is is very cute and shows his how he's matured over the years. Yeah, on principle, I can't love any scene with Rupio in it, but like it is, it is a Aww. it is a pretty slick move on Leia's part. Aw, poor three PO. You're really not actually gonna... the scene where he gets shot in Empire. That was a good one. Aw, wow, you're really not going to like the next book. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm happy to have cute Han Leia moments. So of course yeah, you are. So um, just. Yeah, I I love the idea of the shield ships and Nomad City is so freaking like sci-fi. It's like it's built on freaking AT-ATs or I'm sorry, ADATs. That's 40 how, of them. That's how they're actually great, pronounced. Yeah. It's a great to give us scale. Like how big is it? Man, think of 40 ADATs with a dreadnought Man, on top of it. Think of all the whole interior design Ray could do with that. <laughs> <laughs> nice but yeah no it's totally it's a totally sci-fi thing i mean there's been more than one like sci-fi novel i've read you know on mercury that like basically mm-hmm. has the same thing right like it might be on a train or it might be on on a rail or whatever but like you know it's obviously not on adats in that case but i mean it's basically the same idea keep moving and stay on the dark side of the of the planet um which is really cool and yeah it's it's fun to right. see the sci-fi stuff showing up in star wars yeah um yeah, I totally just lost my train of thought. Ah, no. Oh, yes. So um, in uh, there was a short story that was published in Insider before uh, the book Scoundrels came out. Um, or was it Scoundrels or before Win or Lose All? I think it was before Win or Lose All, which was a short with Lando. But it was a, it was a short in Insider uh, about Lando, and it was basically how he got the AT-ATs. Um and it was a really, a really fun story, and um, I, I wish I could remember the name of it. But yeah, um, you, I'll try to find it and and post a link to it. But it was, it was a, it was a fun story in Insider. So yeah, um, those are our chapters. We are at a, a cliffhanger, and I, I hope they'll make it out in in chapter, chapter thirteen. Things might just end right here, and the rest of the book is blank pages. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah, any last thoughts for uh, this section of the book? Brian? Uh, yeah, a couple of fun chapters. I mean, I'm happy anytime Wedge shows up, but of some nice <laughs> some nice Luke moments, some nice Leia moments, uh, and, and some nice uh, Thrawn moments. Uh, we're still kind of waiting for the book to really ramp up into high gear, but we're, we're building there. Yep. Matthew? Um, yeah, I mostly agree. You know, it, nothing nothing extraordinarily, like, earth-shattering or dramatic, uh, these four chapters, but uh, but it's it's moving along. And, yeah, the, the plot contrivances are a little contrived. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, we, we, but, we, got, um, we got a few of those plot yeah, no, contrivances. We're, we're, we're plugging uh, along the, the character... Uh, <laughs> Character development uh, continues to be be uh, to be strong and and recall the voices of the the characters from the films and uh, yeah no it's good stuff yeah we, we did get a few of those plot contrivances dumped uh, kind of in close successions yeah I feel like this is like the this is really the only time we see that um, and it's just you know there there needs to get stuff set up for the next sort of section of the book. Um, I mean, you got to bring in Lando somehow. So, you do. I mean, I, I can't, you know, fault him too much for that. This is the part where the dungeon master realizes that the party is split. Yes. And, <laughs> and yet they have just about to found the plot and he needs them all together. So he finds a way to sort of force his player characters to all get back together. So the party is together. So he's not having to run two different scenes right. uh, at the same table. And then they have to go back and separate again. <laughs> and on that note, listen to our latest episode of Of Dice and Droids. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Amanda, any last thoughts from you? Um, what I liked about these chapters is that it gave me something to want to high five or cuddle every single one of our known entity characters here, including and especially Wedge. 
Um, and I think that's going to become important later that you remember how much you love these characters mm -hmm. and that you, the stakes are higher because you care about them and everything from Wedge being super polite to Leia being super clever and not really sure of herself to Luke reverting to his farm boyness and then being like, no, I'm a Jedi. I've conquered this. And you just sort of want to pat him on the head. Um, I think all of those things are endearing on some level and that the fact that Zahn has taken the time to endear these characters to us further and over again is going to be important later when their lives are in mortal peril. Yeah. And um, it's, you know, this this is kind of the last sort of section before shit gets real. So um, I, I do see the whole... It, it It's following the plot arc very well. Where, you know, you start off really strong with the inciting incident and getting the characters, like, set on their way. Then you kind of are a little slow and, you know, let them breathe. And then you're like, ha, 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 ha suckers. <laughs> um, I did a little Googling. The story's called Buyer's Market. Yes. It was in Star Wars Insider 126. Excellent. And apparently, according to Wikipedia... Um, Nikon was not named for a camera, but uh, after a fan, Clon Newell. <laughs> nice. All right. I, I I like the Nikon thing better. I still think it's a camera, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, yes. Um, thank you all again for listening to uh, episode 1.3 of the Throngcast. We are a Tashi Station podcast, and we're brought to you in part by Her Universe and by you, our Patreon subscribers. You can find us all on Twitter with the handles Tashi underscore station, Nancy Pants, it's Nancy with an I, Lane Winry, um, MR Bowers, Manda the Ginger, and Cyberpunk Warlock, that's Warlock with a K. You can find all of our columns and news and other podcasts at Tashi-Station.net. Tune in next week for our discussion of chapters 13 through 16 when Luke pulls off the piloting maneuver that Wedge couldn't fool Ray Sloan with in Aftermath. Oh, snap. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>
Now, interestingly, the only other major series to use the Provisional Council other than the Thrawn books was Stackpole's X-Wings books and comic series. So, Rogue Padron folks, you probably would recognize some of these characters too. The members of the Provisional Council would, and the founders of the New Republic would be Mon Mothma of Chandrilla, Princess Leia Organa of Alderaan, Borsk Felia of Cothlis, Admiral Akbar of Mon Calamari, Sian Tev of Sullust, Karathar of Kashyyyk, Doman Berus of Karelia, and this very unpronounceable mess uh, from Elam. Provisional Council's job was to help the New Republic become the legitimate galactic government in fact as well as name, which was one of the reasons why the Provisional Council operated out of the New Republic, out of the Imperial Palace on Coruscant. Like it or not, the Imperial Palace was the source of legitimacy in the galaxy, and they just had to use it. It was a symbol, essentially, even though they tried to rename it to something else and that name wouldn't stick, as Zahn pointed out. Now, the Provisional Council was a caretaker government helping with the task of unifying various local traditions and smoothing the way for a stable enough system that could establish a, and elect a new Galactic Senate. The Council mostly worked on ongoing constitutional conferences, diplomatic relations, standard military ministerial government functions, aid to various planets, and deliberating over military actions. You might also hear of an inner council, which consisted of Mon Mothma, who was the chief of state, Admiral Akbar, who's either sometimes called the supreme commander or the commander-in-chief of the military, Councilor Leia Organa Solo, and Councilor Borskvelia. They represented the chief power brokers of the council and ended up being its inner decision-making core. The reason for this was that most conflicts in the council were based on disagreements over those four members, particularly between Akbar and Felia, so if that group ever agreed on anything, the rest of the council pretty much just went along with it. So in a true sense, they were the decision makers. Um, but I think that's it for now. It was a bit of a longer Thrawn tidbit than last time. Uh, one interesting note is that West End did all this world building in 1992, and amazingly, the whole expanded universe just went along with it from then on. And it's sort of fascinating just how much lore was established in those early days. But I think I digress. So that's all for now. Take care, and remember, the Empire is victorious on all fronts. <laughs>